Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Come on, how many are ready for the Word of God? The the 9 a.m. crowd was pretty pumped up this morning, and so I'm just glad to see you on a on a Labor Day weekend, but I'm starting a brand new sermon series this week, and I'm calling it Help, I've Fallen, and I Can't Get Up. Say that with me. Say, Help, I've Fallen, and I Can't Get Up. Now, for those of you in the medical field, this is, this is a, a, you know, we, we kind of laugh at this a little bit, but there's, there's seriousness to this. I, I remember my, my own mom at one point there, we had to, you know, get her one of those alert braces, really, because she couldn't communicate. And, and, you know, if she had fallen, literally, and couldn't get up, and, and a couple of times, we actually had to use the brace, or she had to use the brace, so that we could, uh, you know, arrive there and, and get first responders uh, to be there. But a- as I began to think about this time of the year, I really began to think about where we've been through COVID and, and where we are. And I really believe that September is a natural time frame in the calendar where really we need to take some inventory, where, where we need to recalibrate a little bit to say, where are we really? And my friends, in a lot of ways, I feel that as believers and even as a body, I, I believe that sometimes we've literally fallen and, and we don't know how to get up. That literally we need to maybe press that emergency button to say, you know, somebody come and get me. Somebody come and save me. Somebody come and help me because I've, I've stumbled somehow. I'm going through some things and, I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to get back up. I don't know how to get on track. But, but thank God that we serve the God of restoration. Amen. That we serve the God of redemption and the God of second chances. And no matter how badly we've fallen, he's always able to raise us up. Who can give God praise for that? I want to start by giving you a little illustration. This past week, I, I went to the dentist, and I hadn't been there because of COVID. I've, you know, I've been, out of, uh, I've been out of rhythm, and we have some dentists, hygienists that are, or hygienists that are in, the, in the room. And so when I, when I, I went to the dentist this week, it, it really was a thorough examination. As a matter of fact, I was there over two hours. I didn't know I was going to be there over two hours. They, I mean, I had, uh, I had probing and x-rays and looking at my jaw and even, they even took my, I mean, they even took my blood pressure. I mean, it was almost like, hey, listen, you haven't been here in a while. We're going to give you the deluxe treatment. <laughs> and when I, when I, at the end, when I went to pay, I felt like I paid for the deluxe treatment. You know, it's almost, it's almost like I got the sense I owed them back pay. You know, you haven't been here in a while. I said, Lord, I'm in the wrong business, you know, but uh, it was so thorough. Honestly, it was so thorough. I was about to say to them, you know, can you guys just rotate the tires on my car because you've done everything else for me, you know. But I sat in that, seriously, I sat in that chair and I began to think about what was going on. I was really impressed. Honestly, I was impressed. You know, they, they had air purifiers in the room, the room was sealed, all these protocols that, that were, were going on because of COVID, and I was, I, was, I was, you know, experiencing the whole examination, and I thought, you know, as believers, we ought to go through this process. As believers, we, we ought to have instrumentation that, let me tell you something, a dentist is going to get to places you're not going to go yourself. 
You know, you floss your teeth, you're like, I'm not going there. They could care less, man. They got sharp steel objects. They're going into places that you don't want to go because they know where the, maybe the tartar has built up and the things that, that harden on our teeth. And, 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 and even, you know, when, when we talk about life transformation, when we, you know, for example, have you ever hired a, a, a personal trainer? A personal trainer will push you harder than you'll ever push yourself. You're like, oh, I'm done at five. They go, you give me seven more, I'll kill you. You understand what I'm talking about? I sat there and I thought, we need spiritual probing, spiritual examinations. I thought, man, I wish I could be in my office with every single member of the church to, to be able to ask questions and coach and probe and, and say, where are you? Where are you in your walk with God? Where, where is your inventory spiritually? And I want to go into the Word of God, into the book of Colossians in just a moment. I want to speak about the new you and the new life, but I really want to go, first of all, into 2 Corinthians because Paul said something that really relates to the story. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, and then we'll go to Colossians. Listen to what Paul says. We're about to take communion in just a few moments. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For though he was crucified, speaking of Jesus in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live by him by the power of God toward you. Now watch verse 5. Paul says, examine yourselves. It means to try yourself, to test yourself, to prove whether you are in the faith. Can you imagine? Paul says, take a test. Take an examination. Go places that you wouldn't go all by yourself. He says, do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. That, that word means to be reprobate or useless or worthless. Paul says, if you don't examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith, then you become disqualified, which this whole concept of, you know, well, once I came to an altar, Pastor, and I said that little sinner's prayer, then I'm okay and my eternity is locked up, is it? Paul says you can be disqualified. Paul says you can lose, you can lose what you've won. You can, you can actually lose what you've gained. Examine yourself, take a test, that you're not just going through the motions. So what does it look like? What does it look like to examine myself? What does it look like to be the, the new you? I want you to turn. I'm, I'm going to just read out of Colossians, and then we'll sit in just a moment here. But I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation, chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1. This is the new you. This is why Jesus died. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights, set your focus, your priorities, your vision. That's really what it means on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor and at the right hand of the Lord, of the right hand of God, really. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. Get, get heavenly minded, get, get eternal minded instead of just temporal. Why? Verse 3, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. See, my friends, there's a fake life and there's a real life. A lot of what we hear is fake news. It's about a fake life. 
Paul says there's a real life and there's a fake life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Let me say it again. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Father, we bless you for your word. Lord, we receive the engrafted word with humility. Give me grace, give me ability, give me anointing. Father, let truth penetrate the hearts of your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Before you're seated, virtually high-five some people around you. Welcome them. Bless them this morning. Glory to God. You may be seated. Here is, here is my central truth this morning. My, my central truth is that Christ died to literally give you a new life to literally provide a life with you, the real life, the true life, that which is based on reality, that which is based on heaven, that which is based on what Christ came to do and accomplish. But the truth is that, my friends, many times we, we get so many messages from the world. I mean, particularly because of the, the era of social media, all the bombardment of, of messages of what we th should think, what we should look like, what we should be, what we should act like consistently is bombarding us and really changing our perspective of what a true believer ought to be. With every movie, with every commercial, with every ad, you see this normalization of what actually is sin, what the Bible calls abnormal living, abnormal behavior. We see that the world is constantly telling us this is normal. And particularly in young people, young people are finding it much more difficult because of political pressure, because of culture, to distinguish between what is normal and what is abnormal. And I guarantee you, if you watch the, the most innocent quote-unquote movie that you can watch, there is always constant anti-biblical messages that are always trying to say to you, this is the normal life. This is what everybody's doing. This is how everybody behaves. And you know what the truth is? That's true. That's the way the world behaves. There's a system in the world. There's a way that's based on greed and lust and obtaining and pushing and grabbing. There, there is a way. That's the way they are. But, but Paul comes along and says, you've not learned Christ this way. In other words, if I come to Jesus, there ought to be such a transformation in my life that literally the person I was before, I'm not anymore. There's a change. There's a metamorphosis. There is a, there is a transformation that just goes beyond the outside changes. And I listen, I believe in spirit, soul, and body. You know, my, I have a personal friend of mine that, that's sitting right in the front and another friend of mine over here that, that literally they, they had such a transformation in their bodies, they literally lost probably an entire human being between them. Maybe two human beings. I think that's a good thing. I think that we should be healthy, we should be stronger, and, and, and we see such a focus even, even in media about, you know, uh, makeovers and changing you, changing houses and changing how you look and how you feel. And listen, I, I'm okay with that. Watch this. As long as we don't stop at the superficial. Come on, anybody with me this morning? It's good to be healthy. It's good to be strong. It's, it's good to make transformation and take control of your life. But even more importantly than that is what's happening on the inside. Because no matter how healthy you are, you're going to die. This life will end, but what Paul is saying, get, get eternally minded. Forget about always focused on the temporal. My friends, let me ask you a question. 
not, not to condemn you, but to ask you, how much do you think about eternity? How much do you think about the destiny of where I'm going and what Christ did for me and why did he do it for me? Isn't this what we call being born again? I'm born of, of my mother. I was born naturally, but now I'm born again of the spirit. In other words, I'm a different individual. And so Paul, you know, says some things here. I want to draw some, some thoughts for you because here, let me give you a little bit of background of where, where do I believe we are? Pastor, why do we need to recalibrate? Why do we need to take inventory? Why do we, why do we need to work on these things? Because I, I really believe that there is still a sifting in the spirit that is going on. I think when we see the totality of the fallout of COVID on the body of Christ and the people of the Lord, we may not exactly be happy where it all ends up because in some ways God is just kicking the fluff out of Christianity. All the things that are not of the kingdom, all the things that maybe we put our hope in, our trust in, the things that we thought were really important, and God says, I'm going to kick the snot out of all that stuff until what truly remains is the kingdom and Christ. I've said this before, I'll say it again. If COVID was designed to bring the body of Christ closer to God, it's not working. I speak to pastors in North America, Caribbean, Australia, different places, and here's what I hear. People are people. People are people. We are, we are creatures of habit. We, we react and we respond in a certain way. And one of the ways that I believe that we're responding is that we're living in an era of the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? Spectacular individual. Kept the commandments. He was, he was so proud of himself. He, he came to the Lord and he said, you know, what must I do to be saved? And he says, you know, here's what I've done. And then, and then Jesus gave him a response. And, and, and the man said to Jesus, I've kept all those. Which is probably not true. I've kept all those. Proud of his accomplishments. Proud of, proud of his religiosity. And then the Lord got where the rubber meets the road. The Lord got to where he really lived and he says, one thing you lack. Not we all lack, you. You lack this. Go and sell everything you have and come follow me. This is what you need to do. My friends, let me ask you the question. Have you ever had the courage to ask the Lord, what's the one thing I lack? I dare you. Lord, what is the one thing that I lack? And the Bible tells us that because of the many possessions he had, he was grieved because he couldn't do the one thing that God, the Lord had said to him, this is what you lack. And the Bible says he walked away grieved. And watch this. The Bible says, and, and, and walking away, Jesus loved him. Because he was a spectacular person. He, he, he really had some amazing motives. I, I really believe he wanted to do the right thing. The Lord loved him. Now watch what the Lord didn't do. The Lord didn't go after him and say, hey, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, bro. Come back. Let's, let's negotiate. I didn't really mean it. No, the Bible says the Lord allowed him to walk away because at that point he had made a decision. You see, we have a lot of people living out of religious activity but not necessarily getting to the one thing they lack. Where real transformation, where the new life and being born again really takes place. And so church, listen, those of you that are watching online, I, I want you to hear in my heart, there is a sifting that is going on. There is a, there is a, a, a line of separation. There is, a, there is a drawing a line in the sand, however that you want to put it, between the Lord asking, who's on the Lord's side? 
Who's on the Lord's side? Who, who wants to be popular? Who wants to be political? Who wants to be part of the crowd and the majority? And who's on the Lord's side? Because I want to remind you today, the Lord said this. He said, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way and few find it. My friends, that says that where the path is the most trodden is not the right way. The majority are not going the right way. Here's what makes me nervous about what the majority say. The majority are usually wrong. Look in your Bible. Wherever you're seeing the coercion, the pressure, wherever you are seeing this, this mandate, you know, various mandates of we all have to do this, we all, be careful. Be careful. Usually, that's not the right way. When we hear, you have to accept this lifestyle, and you have to accept this. No, no, Here's what Jesus said. Narrow is the way. Are you willing to go through the narrow way? I just saw this posting online about some, I guess, some old uh, church. I don't even know where it was, but uh, they, they had put, they had put a, a door, a, a very, very slim door in, in, into the building because they didn't want their monks to get too fat. True story. You know, so it's like, you want to be part of the church, here's how we're going to keep you disciplined. We're, we're going to put a narrow door so you don't indulge. This week I'm changing all the doors, Pastor Mo. And uh, for both of us, praise the Lord. But, 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 but watch this. We, we, we get so focused, don't we, on the, on the outward. Well, how do, I, how do I look and how do I come across? And many times we forget the inward parts, and that's exactly where the Lord's focus is at. Here's my first point today. The life that is now hidden will be publicly displayed for God's glory. Notice what he says in those first few verses. He's like, set your eyes on heavenly things. Set your mind on heavenly things. Get, get focused on the eternal. So begin to focus on the things of God. Shift your priorities based on the fact that this life is fading away. I've noticed something. The older you get, the more health conscious you become. Come on now. The more wrinkles you begin to see, my God, you're looking for every cream made. Hmm? When I was younger, please forgive my, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to look like I was older. So I could get into places I wasn't supposed to, you know, we have to, we had to fake ID, you know, I'm, I'm saved now. But I'm just telling you that when I was younger, I wanted to look older. And then when you look older, you're trying to get younger. You're trying to put hair in places where hair is left. Hmm? You want to lifts and tucks and, hello? And, and listen, uh, I come from the cosmetics industry. It's, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And, and you say, Pastor, should we not do Listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of that. What I'm saying is, let's not stop there. Let, let's, let's not let that become our focus. Let's look at the word of God to understand your real life is hidden in Christ. That's the real life, the life that the Lord has bought for you. It's the only life, by the way, that's going to make it. Here's my second point. Some things just need to die in order for you to truly live. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, let's go to verse 5. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I really like the way he puts it here. He says, so put to death. I want you to look at the wording. 
put to death, murder. I want you to kill some things in your life. The understanding that by the grace of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, you are actually able to do these things. Listen to what he says. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Do not be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. The whole system is based on greed. The whole system is based on lust. The whole system is whatever I have, I need more. I want more. No matter what I achieve, I, I, I get tired of what I achieve, and then I want to go after something else. That's the world system. Never satisfied. I, I come from the corporate world. My friends, listen, I, I know what it is to make hundreds of millions of dollars in profitability, and then every January, cut people. We've got to cut people. And I'm like, Why? Why do we have to cut people? We're profitable. We're, 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 we're making money. Why don't we bless people? Why don't we give people raises and promotions? And why don't, we, why don't we help little people along the road? No, but here's the way the world system works. Are you ready? They cut little people so that people at the top get richer. That's the world system. Now, people say, well, you know what? God is against prosperity. No, no, no. God is not against prosperity. God is about understanding the purpose of prosperity. That's why Paul said, command those that are rich among you that they have a responsibility. I heard a story this week, and, you know, I don't know if you've heard the name Kenneth Copeland, and many people really just get on this man's case because of, uh, I mean, he's got a multi, multi-million dollar uh, ministry. He's got a private plane, and people criticize him and ridicule him. But you know what this man did this week? This man, he has a private jet. This man lent his jet so that people could get out of Afghanistan. That's understanding. Flying Christians out of, out of, out of uh, for sure, death and torture. That's understanding that if I'm prospered, that I could do something with my prosperity instead of saying, you know what the fuel would cost to go to Afghanistan? I believe in the end days when, when we see the, the wealth transfer from the wicked to the righteous, it's not so that we can hoard it, it's so that we can understand the purposes of God and fulfill his mission on the face of the earth. You want to have money, my friends? Listen, begin to understand why God wants you to have money. Not for greed, not for lust. This is what he's, that's what he's saying. So he, Paul says here, put these things to death. Notice, he says, because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was part of this world, but now is the time, watch this. So first he says, I want you to murder some things, but then he says, I want you to get rid of some things. One of your translations will say, put these things off. Get rid of anger, get rid of rage, get rid of malicious behavior, get rid of slander, get rid of dirty language. Many people say to me, pastor, I have an anger, an anger problem. Get rid of it. You know, Pastor, I just, I, you know, I just can't stop swearing. Of course you can. Oh, Pastor, my, my, my mouth is just so foul. Get rid of it. Put it off. It's, it's literally, you know what Paul is saying? It's like taking off clothes. Get, get rid of your old clothes and put on the new clothes. Paul said it this way. Put on. Every day when you go to get dressed spiritually, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means if I'm at work, at church, in ministry, wherever I may be, I'm putting on Christ. I'm not putting on a show. 
I'm putting on Christ. Because if, if Christ is in me and my life is hid, watch this, the real me is coming out. You know, I have two daughters, and my wife is sitting right here, and you know, one of the things that we had decided very, very early in ministry, because we know what it's like to be a preacher's kid, we said we are not going to be different at home than we are at church. We're not going to be different people. Who we are is who we are. Now, understand, within your, your home and your family, understand there's some things you do that you're probably not going to do publicly, right? At least I hope not, right? But what I'm saying is in our, in our values, in our beliefs, in our behaviors, right? We're not going to be all righteous and holy with you here and then go home and start, you know. Come on, some of you can't open the windows. Because your neighbors are going to go, hey, weren't you at church at 1 o'clock today? What do they teach you? Notice the verse 9, and don't lie. To each, oh, I could spend some time here, boy. And don't lie. These are believers. These are God's people. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off the old nature and its wicked deeds. My friends, listen. Some things must die. Stop making excuses for poor behavior. Stop blaming the devil. Oh, the devil made me. The devil can't make you do anything. He doesn't have that kind of power over you. He doesn't have that kind of authority over you. Well, then we blame, we blame ethnicity. We blame, you know, bloodlines. And I'm, I'm like this because I'm this. And I come from, from this background. And don't you know, pastor, we're like this. Here's my question to you. Why are you even associated with things like that? Didn't you die? Are you raised with Christ? Please don't give me your ethnicity and your background and your, 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 you know, your, your dead forefathers. And this is what they were. Listen, all of that stuff died in Christ. This is the new you. This is the new you that Christ has given you. Get rid of it. My friends, here's the truth. A lot of what we deal with is learned behavior. Because we learned it. We saw it. It was probably in our home, and so we, we, have, we have picked it up. Or, or sometimes it's in the, you know, what I call, or, or what's called the mob mentality. You know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a group of people. We're in a certain culture. And then we pick up behaviors. I remember being, you know, he, he talks about dirty language there. You know, I remember being, I think Pastor Carolyn was there. You know, we, 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 were in, uh, we were in New York State. We, were, we had gone out to lunch. We'd gone to a buffet. And, you know, I'm with pastors. And, you know, have you ever been to a Chinese restaurant? They bring you the fortune cookies, right? And, you know, you read it. It's just ridiculous. And By the way, if any of you are living, living by those fortune cookies, get over yourself. I, I mean, <laughs> if that's where you get in the direction of your life, I'm going to lay hands on you today. You understand? So... So, so this pastor, he goes, hey, let's play a game. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, let's, let's read out our fortune cookie out loud, but then you got to end it with the line in bed. So, so he turned chow mein into sexuality. I'm like, 
How do you, how do, you do that? How did you go from where we're having lunch and everybody, everybody's having a wonderful, great old time and I'm like, I'm not participating. Now watch this. You have to have the strength and the fortitude so that you do not become intimidated by peers or even sometimes people that are superior to you just because you happen to be in their circle. Young people, listen to what I'm telling you. If you're gonna be a leader, do not let people intimidate you. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away from those people. Walk away from people that want to devour you, intimidate you, cause you to go the wrong way because, oh, well, Pastor, I, I, I have to fit in. No, you don't have to fit in. Generally, the people that want you to fit in are not the right people. Get a whole set of that brand new people. It's okay to say to some people, you and I, we're not friends anymore. I, I can't be your friend because your values and my values are simply not the same. Okay, I need to move on. Everybody say, move on, Pastor. Yeah. Then Paul says this, number three. If I'm murdering some things and I'm putting off some things, then Paul says, I want you to put on some clothing. I, I don't want you to run around naked. There, there's some spiritual clothing as part of the new life. And in verse 12, he says this, since God chose you, since God chose you, let me, let me pull up Pastor Moses. Since God chose you, huh? Since God chose you, this is the time he would sit down. Like I need like a, to be holy. People that he loves, didn't we sing about that? You must clothe yourselves, watch this, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. See, I know we believe other people have faults. We just don't believe that we have faults. I'm still 16 years in full-time ministry in marriage counseling, I am still waiting for the day for somebody, please somebody come in and say, Pastor, it's all my fault. I won't know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, if he didn't and she didn't and they, no, no, no. Somebody take responsibility because my friends, here's the truth. We all have faults. And because we all have faults, Paul says, make allowances. Give, in other words, give grace. We're We're, we're growing. We're growing in the Lord. Give grace. And, and my friends, watch this. Here's, here's really the measurement of the New Testament. The way you want to be forgiven, the amount of allowance that you want, then give that amount. I know people, literally, they almost fulfill the, they fulfill the story. They, they come in to me, they want grace, they want mercy, they want to be redeemed, affirmed, and you do that. And then you hear that they go out and just tear the strip out of somebody else. You're like, but when you were given all this grace, tender mercies, humility, gentleness, patience, making allowance for each other's fault, and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, 
So you must forgive others. And then he says this, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us together in perfect harmony. In other words, it's the, it's the bond of peace. It's the bond of unity. My friends, how much peace do you have? How much peace is in your home? How much, how much peace is in your family? How much harmony do you have? Is, is your home a place that you want to go to? Or is it a place you want to avoid? Now, if you live by yourself, and, and you're like, well, pastor, I can't live with myself. I told you the story of, of the man that, you know, got stranded on a desert island. And then years later, they, they saw some smoke coming from the island, and they, they actually landed there, and they rescued him. He was so thankful, and, and he said, you know, how did you find me? He said, oh, you know, we saw this smoke coming from, we saw the smoke coming from the island. He goes, oh, come, come. He goes, I want to. I want to, before we leave, I want to show you where I, where I live. And when they brought him there, they saw three tents. And they said, you're here by yourself. He said, all by myself. He said, but you have three tents. He said, yeah, see, the first tent is my home. This is where I live. And, and this tent, this is, this, is my, this is my church. This is where I worship. And they said, well, what's the third tent? And they said, well, that's where I used to go to church. Some of you are going to get that about 3 o'clock. <laughs> Worship team, I want you to come up. Notice, notice my fourth point. Live every detail of your life as unto the Lord. Everything you do, every activity. Notice what he says in verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That, that word actually means to umpire. Let the peace of God umpire your life for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always have this attitude of gratitude. How much peace is ruling in your life? You say, well, pastor, I, you know, I've been through COVID and I, I lost my job and I, and, you know, I, I, I went through this situation. No, no, how much peace is operating in your life? Not, not what the circumstances are, because here's the truth. Everybody has a story. Did the worship team get raptured? <laughs> Pastor's about to lose his peace. <laughs> um, how much peace is guarding you when, when people do the wrong thing, when people mistreat you, when people say the wrong thing, when, when people cut you off on the road? You know, I heard, I heard the story just, you know, was it, I think it was last weekend about people just being in Yorkdale Mall. And, and, and moronic people that are clearly full of the devil. You're full of the devil. If you could just take out pistols and begin to shoot and fire bullets that innocent people might get caught in. The, you, just, you just need to be... See, there's learned behavior and then there's demonic activity. We need to discern between the, the difference between the two. How much peace is umpiring your heart? How much peace is ruling in your hearts? For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom as he, he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. 
What are you singing? What, what, what songs come out of your heart? We live in a world of, you know, grind this and bump that and touch this and push that, and right? And watch this. If you're not careful, it is so catchy, you'll actually be singing things you don't even know what you're singing. The other day, I don't know, I was, I don't know, I, I was, you know, humming a song or something, and Emily's like, Dad, you can't sing that. I said, oh, I just heard it. She goes, no, you can't sing that. And then I go find out what it is. I'm like, whoa, I can't sing that. People ask you, Pastor, where did you learn that song? Pastor Carolyn. <laughs> I got it from her. <laughs> That's the garden. The woman you gave me. <laughs> that was funny, Lord. All right. <laughs> Anybody want to invite me for lunch today? <laughs> I'm going to need a, I'm going to need to go somewhere. <laughs> coming out of your heart. He says this, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I'm going to ask Pastor Moses to come and lead us in, in communion, but Paul said, take a test, kind of a test. Very simple. Let me ask you this question. First question of the test, how close are you to the Lord? If you ever been in a coaching session with me, you know that I love to use the one to 10, one being low, 10 being high. If you had to give it a number, how close are you to the Lord today? Is it a three? Is it an eight? Second test, faith. How much of what you believe are you really living? Got a lot of people believe, I believe that, Pastor, but I'm living this. Faith, how much of what you really believe are you living? Here's my, here's my third question, desire. Desire. Am I, am I desiring the things of God? Am I desiring the Word of God? Or, or would I rather desire Netflix? Would I rather desire things that are not good for me? What am I, what am I desiring? Because the Bible says the hungry and the thirsty shall be filled. And then finally, the grace of God. How much, how much of the grace is operating in your life? Or is it, is it constantly you're under guilt and performance and I, and I, and I have to, and I, because the last thing I want you to walk away with today is the fact that, oh, I gotta improve the new me because pastor, no, 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 no. The new me comes because the grace of God is working in my life because if I do it myself, I become religious. If I allow the Spirit of Christ to do it in me, I build relationship. I love you this morning. God has created a new you. Let's live that new life.